Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. Welcome, guys, uh, all those in person and joining us online. Let's practice for a moment some silence and solitude and uh, see what God wants to say to us. So will you bow your heads uh, and just exhale. (sighs) Let's do it twice this week because I need some of that. Lord, uh, we just give you all our automatic thoughts, uh, all our anxious thoughts, all the thoughts that are ruminating and harassing our minds in our lives, and we give them to you. We know you're in control. And inhale the presence of God, the transcending peace of God. May 22nd, Sarah Young, Jesus Calling. When things don't go as you would like, accept the situation immediately. (laughs) If you indulge in the feeling of regret, they can easily spill over the line into resentment. Remember that I'm sovereign over your circumstances. Humble yourself under my mighty hand. Rejoice in what I'm doing in your life even though it is beyond your understanding. I am the way, the truth, and the life. In me, you have everything you need, both for this life and the life yet to come. Don't let the impact of the world shatter your thinking or draw you away from focusing on me. The ultimate challenge is to keep keep fixing your eyes on me no matter what is going around around you. When I'm central in your thinking, you are able to see your circumstances from my perspective. All God's people pray. Amen. Now Sue would come up. Thank you, sir. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to um, summer, I guess. It's very hot outside. Um, The last time I was up here, I talked a little bit about the already but not yet kingdom. It's this weird kind of dichotomy where the kingdom of God is here on earth, where God is alive and he is at work in people's lives and he is moving, and yet at the same time, it is not here in its full perfection. It's not a fully established kingdom. It's how we can look at life and we can see something wonderful and amazing and say, if God wasn't real, how does this beautiful thing exist? How could this happen? And at the same time, we can also look and say, There are these terrible things that happen in life. If God was real, how does this happen? And it's one thing to talk about this in a little bit of a sermon, and it's something that when I was up here last time, I said it's something that I think if we could incorporate this into our lives, if we could really understand how the already but not yet kingdom really reaches into our lives and how we experience it in our day-to-day lives, it would help us out a lot. And it's something that is not really easy a concept to grab. It's something that you have to really experience and really dig into a little bit. I know some people here may be very good conceptual learners and you can get a concept very easily. I'm not one of them. I'm a person that needs like the nuts and bolts of it. 
like when it comes to math, I can get addition of subtraction because I can say, okay, I have three apples, I eat one apple, I have two apples, and I have a full stomach. Unfortunately, when it comes to calculus, I don't know how to exist in a world where there's an area underneath a line that goes from here to infinity. It just doesn't, it just doesn't click for me. So experiencing something and seeing where we engage with it every day in our lives is something that I think will help us when it comes to the already but not yet here kingdom. And this is something that I want to go into over the course of the next two sermons. I want to talk a little bit about what it means to live in this already but not yet kingdom. I want to talk about where God is at work in this kingdom and where God is calling us to take part in it as well. And again, I want to do it through a lens of experiencing, of seeing where it's actually at work in our lives so that we can recognize it, so that we know that it's an actual thing. Because sometimes if we just talk about a concept but we don't have any experience with it, it's hard to grasp. And sometimes our experiences may be a little bit contrary to what we're talking about. Uh, I think one movie that actually kind of displays that, uh, that kind of thought, like you need to experience it in order to understand it a little bit better, is low-key one of my favorite Marvel movies, if we can put that up. I know a couple of us had a very, very bad time watching this movie, but it, like I said, it's one of my low-key favorite Marvel movies. Um, Doctor Strange, I'm sure most of us know who Doctor Strange is by this point, but the short version of it is that he's a very prominent, very um, skillful, but very arrogant and proud surgeon. And he has an accident where his hands are pretty much taken from him, where he can't do surgery. His whole identity is changed in that. And in his little quest to try to figure out how he can get back to normal, how he can make sense of the brokenness of his life, he comes across a city where they do magic. And of course, in pretentious Doctor Strange fashion, he's like, this is a bunch of nonsense. I don't believe it. I'll see myself out and stop at the gift shop on the way. And then they do this magic spell on him, and he goes flying through a whole bunch of different realities. He has an experience that changes his entire perspective on how the world works and what his place is in the world. It doesn't solve the problem of his brokenness. He still has his physical afflictions, and he's still a bit of a jerk but it changes where he sees his place in the whole world. And that's what I want to kind of do with this. I want to talk to us about how we fit into the already but not yet here kingdom, how we can experience it, how we can recognize it. And what we're going to do is we're going to turn to uh, Acts chapter 9, and we're going to see Paul's conversion from a person who was dead set against the church, who was persecuting the church, into someone who experienced God, who realized that there was more to it than what he was seeing, and became possibly one of its greatest missionaries and one of its greatest um, apologists for, for the gospel. So as we go here, we look at chapter 1, and again, what we're going to do here today is we're going to talk about where God is working in the already but not yet here kingdom. So to set the stage, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So Saul is a zealot. He is a Pharisee. He believes that he's doing the right thing in persecuting the church and trying to root out this, this horrible thing that's leading people away from the true God, and he is breathing murderous 
threats against them. And that's not even a allegory. When you look in Acts a couple of chapters before, we see one of the believers, uh, Stephen, stoned to death, and Saul is there looking on in agreement, and he's happy that this person is being stoned to death. This is the kind of person that Saul was at this time in his life. And for the early church, this is a definitely a very scary time. They're on the run. They're being persecuted. They may have thought at the beginning, and the funny thing is, this is only happening about 10 years after Christ died and was resurrected, about 10 years after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples. And the church is very active, and they see God's power moving. But at the same time that they see God moving, they also see the persecution that's coming. They're living right there in that dichotomy of the already but not yet kingdom. Yes, God is already here, but it's definitely not perfect because here we are being scattered to the four corners of the earth, running for our lives because they are coming after us. They are trying to persecute us. And for us, we may not find ourselves in a similar spot as far as being persecuted for our faith, or at least definitely not to the point where we have to worry about um, being put to death or anything like that. But we find ourselves in a very similar place where there are threats in our worlds. There are problems. There is trauma. There is things going on. And sometimes we may try to navigate it. We may try to forget it. But we are reminded of it um, in our daily lives. And sometimes that catches us off guard, especially sometimes when we think we're living a life in Christ, we are doing well in our faith, but then we get mugged by reality, as Dr. Sammy always puts it. Uh, I remember a couple of years back, I was meeting up a whole bunch of friends for a Rangers game. And yes, I realize a lot of my, my examples involve Rangers games. I'll, I'm trying to tone it down. But we were all getting together, and we were going to meet up at a bar ahead of time and then go to the game. And I got there after everybody else did. And when I got there, nobody was there. I had to call them up. Where are you guys? Where did you go? They ended up going to someplace else. And when I got there, um, they told me the story of why they weren't in that first bar, because pretty much everybody got in, nobody got carded, including my friend's daughter, who was, I don't even know if she was 21 at the time, and she definitely looked younger than 21, so I don't know how she got in there without being carded. But one of my friends did get carded, and even when they checked his ID and even showed them that he is a law enforcement officer, they still hassled him about one thing or another. And then slowly it kind of came into view, oh boy, they actually did this because of the color of the skin. For me, it was kind of a wake-up call, like, oh wow, even in New York, yeah, there really is still racism here. And that's a terrible, awful thing. This is the kind of difficulty that we see, the kind of brokenness that we see in a world where the kingdom is already, but most definitely not yet. And this is just one small example. There are so many more examples, and I'm sure I don't have to tell you guys. I'm sure that for many of you guys, you're thinking, well, of course, this is a broken world. I know this, that, the other thing. We see what happened just last week in Buffalo. We see people who get phone calls saying that your loved one is not coming home to you tonight. We see all of this brokenness. And let's be fair, it is sometimes understandable for us to say, God, where are you working in all of this? Where are you going to show up in all of this? And although this is kind of a downer point, this is something that I think we all do have to understand about the already but the not yet kingdom. And if we can put this point up. 
The not yet kingdom exists in a world where there is brokenness. There is brokenness in this world, and it is something that we have to deal with every day. And even in our lives as Christians, how many of us here who accepted Christ thought, as soon as I accept Christ, things are going to look up. Things are going to be just fine. Things are going to get so much better. I see one person raising their hand. I see another person raising their hand. But what really does happen, we are in that tension, that dichotomy of the already but not yet kingdom, where God is making an impact on our lives, where he is working in us. But it's a slow process. It's a process by which he is addressing that brokenness. But that's something that we need to remember, even in the midst of the brokenness of this world, even in the midst of everything that does and can go wrong. This world is ripe for God to make his presence known. That is why he came, because this is a broken world, because we are, at one point, we were divorced from God. We were separate from him. He came, he died, so that we could have a reconciliation with him so that we could have that relationship with him once again. He's done it before. He will do it again. And sometimes it's hard to navigate that. Sometimes it is hard to reconcile that in this broken world. God, where are you working? So in small groups this week, and as you talk with your friends, I invite you to actually say, this is the places where it's sometimes hard to understand where God is working. It's okay to bring those concerns to God. That's why we have the prayer text hotline, all honesty. So we can say, God, this is an, an area of brokenness. This is an area where I need you to come and make your presence known in my life, in this world. God does that. He does hear us. He does make an impact in people's lives. So again, as we go into small groups and as we talk with our friends this week, I want to ask you guys, where has the brokenness in the world caused you to maybe lose heart in God's kingdom? Where do you need God to show up and restore your faith in his works? Because the truth is that God does show up in people's lives. He is living in this world. In spite of its brokenness, in spite of the things that goes on, God is alive and he is at work in this world. And we may not always see it, it may not always be a picture-perfect ending, but he is alive in this world. C.S. Lewis said that the story of Christianity is the story of how the rightful king landed in disguise and is calling us to a great campaign of sabotage. And one thing about that statement that isn't said is that God doesn't just call us to that great campaign of sabotage. He doesn't just sit on the sidelines and say, I need you to do this and do that but he steps into the world to help us in that great campaign of sabotage. He is there with us on that journey. And that's what I'd like to talk about next, if we can go down. So we see Saul, and he's in the middle of persecuting the church, and he's on the road to Damascus, and he has this experience with God. So we see here in, chapter, uh, in verse 4. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So here's Saul on his way to Damascus, and Jesus has a powerful moment with him. Jesus comes, strikes him down in a, in a, in a fashion, and reaches into his life. 
It's what we call a kairos moment, when God reaches into our lives and has that moment, that experience that changes everything about our lives, opens up our mind to the world of possibilities of who he is and what he is doing in our lives. And the funny thing about this is it's all God's direct involvement. There wasn't anyone around. There wasn't anything going on. And I'm very sure that although many of the believers were probably saying, hey, God, this, this guy Saul, he's kind of chasing us down and hunting us down. Can you do something about this? I'm pretty sure none of them were saying, God, can you, like, make him one of us? Can you do that? It was God in his wisdom, in his power, in his grace and mercy that had that individual moment with Saul and opened his eyes to who he was. And Saul recognized what was going on. He said, who are you, Lord? He realized that whatever this voice was, whoever this was, this was God. And Jesus revealed himself in a powerful way in Saul's life. And again, like I've been saying, God has a habit of doing that. He has a habit of showing up in very powerful and very amazing ways, sometimes even very subtle ways. But that is the beauty of the already but not here kingdom, where God is alive and is at work in this world. So uh, Dr. Sammy has uh, put me on blast quite a couple of times when he's been up here uh, for the fact that I forgot that I led Wendy Lee to Christ. Um, I'm getting old. I forget things. Uh, I'm sorry. But there are many things that I do remember about the whole thing. And some of the things that was probably very interesting about Wendy's experience in coming to Christ had to deal with dreams and the weather. Stick with me on this, it's pretty cool. So Wendy was coming to small group. She was joining us for small group and she was starting to learn who God was and who Jesus was, but she hadn't accepted Christ yet. She was still on the fence about it and we were giving her the whole analogy of where are you with regards to God's house? Are you down the block from God's house? Are you coming up the sidewalk? Are you at the front door? Are you inside with God? And she was always, ah, I'm a couple blocks away, two or three blocks away. Maybe I'm getting a little bit closer, slowly but surely. But one of the things that was happening as she was coming to small group is she was sharing with us that she was having some really vivid, really interesting dreams about how she felt like she was in her house. And sometimes she would feel this presence coming after her. And even though she hadn't accepted Christ, she would go back at this presence and say, you can't touch me, Jesus is my savior. She would have moments where in her dream, she would run from room to room in this house of hers, screaming in, Jesus is my savior, Jesus is my savior, and the rooms would light up. And we would always say, Wendy, that's God reaching out to you. That's God calling out to you. No, no, not at all. She was dodging it left and right. Then came a moment where she was volunteering down in Battery Park, and it was an overcast day, and whatever the volunteering thing was um, got canceled. And she's standing there in Battery Park, and she's looking up at the sky, this overcast sky, and she said, Jesus, if you exist, show yourself. Sure enough, clouds parted. Sun came down, and it beamed down on her. And she came back and told us in small group, and it's like, Wendy, come on, do you not realize what's going on? God is reaching out to you. Mm, maybe, maybe, maybe. Finally, there was one dream where, again, she's in her house and she hears a knock. 
and knows that this is Jesus knocking on the door of her heart. Now, like I said, we were making the analogy of the house, but we weren't incepting her dreams. We weren't saying God is going to come knocking on your door in your, in your dream house. I don't think any of us was flying a plane over Battery Park City and uh, trying to move the clouds out of the way on the off chance that uh, she was praying that God would reveal himself. God has a habit of showing up in places where we haven't even made an inroad yet because that is the beauty of the already here kingdom where God does show up, where he does make powerful impacts in people's lives. Just like with Saul on the road to Damascus, God came down and Saul experienced who the living God was. Just like Wendy experienced who the living God was. And it was after that, that knocking dream, she finally said, all right, I'm going to give my life to Christ. And it was a wonderful story. And once again, I'm ashamed that I forgot part of it. But that's okay. God is alive, and he is at work in the already but not yet here kingdom. And that's my next point, if we can put that up. In the already here kingdom, God can make an impact before we even do anything. Again, God was in that moment on the road with Saul on his way to Damascus before any of the disciples could even get to him. Wendy was being reached out to by God in her dreams and in the weather. And I'm sure in many of our lives, we have times where we have said, God, I need you to show up. I am in need of you to reveal yourself in this place. And God has made that incredible impact in our lives. That is the beauty of the kingdom where it, there may be a broken world. It is not going to be perfect while we are here on this earth. But the beauty of it is that God is alive and making an impact in our lives. And if you think that this world is too broken for God to reach into and act, I got news for you. He's going to. He's done it before. He will do it again. So, again, as we go into small groups this week, as we talk with one another, as we, you know, investigate what it means to live in the already but not yet here kingdom, look back on your life. See where God has shown up. Where has he shown up in those miraculous ways in your life? Where do you need him to show up again to know that he is alive and at work in your life? And who are you praying that God will show up to next? Because it's not just about us here in this room. It's about those that are out there. Those that maybe we think are too far gone for God to make an impact on. Again, go back to the early Christians. Here was Saul, murderous intent. He's hunting them down. And he's about to become one of them. That's the amazing thing about the already but not yet here kingdom. That's where God reaches in and makes that difference. Now, that's not to say that that's all there is to it. And I'm going to leave on a little bit of a cliffhanger because there is God's part to this, and then there's our part to this. But today, if we take anything home from this, I want us to remember that even in the midst of a world that is broken, God is alive. He has come. He died for our sins so that we could have a relationship with him. If you're already a believer, you may remember those times where he stepped into your life and where he made that difference, where you experienced in a real way that Kairos moment 
of God's time in your life where it changed everything about your perspective about the world. If you're a seeker here today, maybe this doesn't make sense. Maybe this seems a little bit strange. Talk to the people who have had that moment and put the challenge out there, just like Wendy did. God, if you exist, show yourself, reveal yourself. Don't be too surprised when he does, because that's what he does. If you guys could just stand with me today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your presence is here with us, even in the midst of a broken world, a world that is ripe, that is in desperate need for your presence, that is in desperate need for a relationship with you. And I thank you that in the already but not yet kingdom, you are alive and at work. You are doing things that maybe we don't see yet, but are making an impact. And I pray, God, that you would continue to do that, that you would raise up stories of how people have had those moments, those interactions, those experiences with you that change their perspective about what it means to live in this world, a world where you are alive, where you are present, where you want to be in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. So in Christian theology, there's a continuum of power and weakness. It's the yet but not yet continuum. Now, if a church focuses on a power theology only, mostly what happens is most of the believers eventually become disillusioned and burn out and say God's power is not here. And I've seen that plenty. If you focus just on the weakness and just on the brokenness of the world, you go, well, you give into cynicism and say, well, nothing's going to ever work out. The point of the Christian life is to live in the tension between the two. And tell someone next to you, that's hard. You know why? Because just when you expect for things not to work out, things do. And sometimes when you pray for healing for a parent and you believe in this theology of power, they don't get healed. And then you get disappointed. There is no consistency in either or. You've got to navigate through both because it's yet but not yet. I think the first thing that you have to do in order to receive this grace to live in this tension is to identify not the brokenness that's explicit in this world, right? Like you see it clearly in the systemic side of injustice. You see it in poverty. You see it in inequality in our country and the different parts of the world. But the first thing is you have to identify with your own brokenness. Like, sometimes for me, as a sort of a, a perfectionist, 
I am surprised when something happens and I go, man, I, I think I'm broken. Because I forget. How many people forget they're broken sometimes? <laughs> it's like, wait, why do I feel that? What am I feeling? Oh, that's depression. Why would I feel like something is off? Well, because truth is you're broken. You could be over-functioning broken. How many people here are over-functioningly broken? You over-function and you're burning yourself out because you have these expectations you're trying to live to. Or you could be the other way. Brokenness always brings us back to God and the cross, who's broken with us, who identify with us. So today, as we pray, let's move back to the basics of Christianity, which is very simple. Go back to the cross, the tension between the cross and the resurrection. So right now, will you lift your hands with me to the Lord today? And whatever you might be going through today, a death, a grief, a doubt, will you bring it to the cross? Let's do that first phase. And then let's pray for power. Right now, as we sing, let's make this our prayer. Father, right now, we want to surrender. We don't want to suppress, but we want to give our community the permission to doubt, to grieve, to be afraid. Especially fatalistically sometimes, the thoughts that harass our minds about our lives. It's okay to doubt as human. Jesus himself doubted before the cross. But something happens when we can learn from the pain. God meets us in a very delicate and gracious way. He doesn't discard us because we're not functioning. He holds us and loves us. He speaks to us tenderly and says, you will not have to walk through the shadow of death alone. My hand is with you. Hold my hand. Take my hand and walk. So if you're in a season of shadows, 
They will come and go, but hold God's hands. You might not even need power because the lessons can come from miracles. The lessons will come from this depth of experiencing what Jesus experienced for you and the compassion and the capacity that grows in our own heart for others' pain that are going through the same thing in this journey. Sometimes God is not trying to make our lives comfortable or even happy. He's trying to make us holy, whole, so that we can offer hope to those who experience the same suffering. But here's the good news, okay? Now, this is the good news part. I like this part the best, but I like to live here sometimes maybe too much, delusionally or optimistically. Sometimes power shows up in ways it's like ridiculous, right? Like there are stories in our community where God does all the work, basically. And we're just like, yeah, that's him. <laughs> like, uh, there's a story, uh, last day in the sun, we had friends visit us from a guy who came to New York named West. He's like the hippest fintech kind of guy, works at uh, Credit Karma or something like that. The dude comes here from California because he was bored for California or something like that. So he moved to New York while putting his you know, house in lease. Comes here, Joe, Lou, and Joe is like the most nonchalant person you meet, right? It's not like, yo, come to my church, it's awesome. He's just like, yeah, you should come to my church. And he leaves without saying anything. And the guy's like, what, what, what'd you just say? Where is it? I don't know, online. He goes, and, and, and I swear to, I swear to the Lord. He says like, all right, yeah, just come to my church. And the guy shows up next week. And then a month after, he brings all his friends to Day in the Sun. And I'm like, so Joe, what you say? I don't know. That's what he said. I don't know. Like, why does that happen? Some of you invited your friends forever. Like, no, I can't. I'm kind of brunching. I can't, I can't come. For some reason, the spirit blows, and I, I was talking to, like, a bunch of them, and they were all like, yeah, this is cool, you know, I, I'm going to come back, and I, I've been thinking about this. I don't know why that happens, but it does, and that's why you can't live according to feelings in your Christian life, because feelings cannot determine the future. You know that, right? You have to live in the tension of the yet, but not yet. So what would happen if we had a little bit of faith, mustard seed faith, and begin to believe in the power of God and say, God, manifest your power in my life, through my life and in my life. What if we just reached out and believed? What could happen in this city? Who knows? That's the part about the yet. And not yet. It's here, present. And that's the challenge I want to give this summer. What could God do if we believed? Amazing things. In just a minute, we're going to pray. I even remember uh, in Joey's baptism class, and her atheist friend, you know, 
Edward. Ed, is it Eduardo? I forget his name all the time. He, he, he makes fun of me sometimes. But in, in one of the basic classes that we had, he was like, well, I want to believe God exists, but, you know, I don't know. He goes, okay, I said, how about we pray and see what happens? So we pray. He starts feeling heat in his body. The Holy Spirit comes. But he doesn't tell me that <laughs> because he wants to suppress the truth. You know what I'm saying? But he tells peeps that and some other people. I'm like, well, you should have told me. Because when I was praying, I didn't feel anything either. Sometimes I prayed for healing. People got healed sometimes. I didn't feel anything. But that's the whole point. The yet, not yet. You don't know how it happens. It just does. Today, as we close, will you pray for faith? And I need to pray for faith too. That we would error. If we're going to error, right? It's better to err on power. Not completely ignore weakness and brokenness. Because you never know. And just like the great culture theologian long time ago said, never say never. So right now, let's pray together as a church for faith. I think we need that this summer. The faith that all leads back to the resurrection. No one thought this Palestinian Jewish rabbi would become more famous than Caesar and every known historical figure in the history of the world or overtake the Roman Empire to Great Britain to the United States and to the rest of the world Father we want to pray today that you would give us faith in what you can do in our lives first and what you can do around us if we believe Jesus said, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain and move, and it will. Father, we want to pray for Wendy-like stories, Joey-like stories, new baptism classes, new miracles, new brokenness being healed and being made whole. We pray that you would fuel us with worship and in awe of what you can do to all of us. Ordinary, broken vessels that just believe. Will you bow our heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. Go with faith. God bless you. So glad to see you all here. My name is Haley, 
And I'm a member here at 180 Church, and I will be sharing some community news with you. First off, let's talk about tithes and offering. If you're a member here at 180 Church, we ask that you continue to keep God at the center of your finances and to tithe faithfully, which you can do using Venmo, Zelle, Chase QuickPay, or PayPal. If you're a visitor here with us today, we welcome you to our service, and there's no financial obligation to give. But if you'd like to make a donation, you can do so with the methods above. Next, we have Bible Reading Group. We have an Instagram handle and a Tumblr page at 180BRG, where you can join us at any time to read the Bible. Feel free to follow along and feed your soul with the Word of God. Next, there are devotionals on sale at the 180 Cafe. They're great to help you get in the habit of praying and connecting with God every day. Sometimes I find it hard to find, form the words to pray, but these devotionals have been so helpful and inspirational. They're available at the 180 Cafe and it's an honor system. So you can purchase them via Venmo or QuickPay. Speaking of prayers, we have our prayer hotline. We invite you to use this resource to ask for prayer for anything or anyone in your life and it's completely confidential. You can text 5397PRAYER or email prayer at 180church.tv and know that there will be a team praying for you on the other end. Prayers are so powerful and I can't tell you how many times my prayers were heard and answered. So I want to encourage you to get out there and pray and ask for prayer for where two or three are gathered in his name, God is with them. Yes. So let's talk about social media. There, these are the ways you can stay connected with us throughout the week. We have several media outlets from Facebook to Instagram to Dr. Sammy's Twitter page and even our YouTube page. We are very active on social media and there are multiple ways to share the message with your friends and family and also stay connected in the community. Let's not forget about our YouTube live stream. We know that things pop up and it's not always possible to physically attend Sunday service, but not to worry because Sunday service is being live streamed weekly on YouTube, so you never have to miss another service. So say hello to the YouTube viewers. Hello. And it's also a great way to share the gospel with friends and family. Next up is small groups. Small groups are a great way to process what you heard on Sundays with brothers and sisters along the journey of faith. We know that no one is meant to do faith alone and small groups have been an amazing way to know that we are in this together. It's also a great way to um, get to know each other, grow deeper in, with, in relationship with each other and reflect and apply sermons to our daily lives. And honestly, it's so much fun. I look forward to it every week to meet with the group and you know, we just have fun doing life together. So that's great. Um, adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Young adult groups meet on Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. College Fellowship meets on Mondays at 7.30. And if you need any additional info, please speak to any of the greeters in 180 shirts or hoodies. Now, this is the exciting one. Are you, are you guys ready? Okay, I, I want to introduce 180 merch, okay? I know, you've been all waiting for this. It's not exclusive anymore. You can purchase your 180 merch at the 180 Cafe. There's a variety of tops in different fabulous colors, all donning the stylish 180 um, emblem and other cool designs. Like some of them have like cool designs on the back, not mine, but others. Um, 
So you can get one of those. Uh, after service, you can head straight to the 180 Cafe to purchase your new 180 shirt, hoodie, or sweatshirt. And they can be purchased with the same honor system as the devotionals. If you have any questions, you can speak to our merch designer, Andy, wherever he is. Oh, he's in the back. There he is. Um, and he can help you. And I can't wait to twin with all of you once you purchase your merch. Okay, next we have Day in the Sun. Our next Day in the Sun will be on May 15th at 12.30 p.m. We will be meeting at the East Pintum in Central Park. So be on the lookout for an email to RSVP. Let's pray for beautiful May weather and an awesome time of fellowship. Also, let's start thinking about the people in our lives who we can invite and share the good news with. Uh, now, for those of you with the heart to serve or feel like you're being led to serve, we have children's ministry. We need volunteers to serve, love, and teach our church's youngest members. They are really doing meaningful and soul-filling work there. My children are learning that they are God's treasures, like I told you last time. And also, my daughter always gets super excited for Sunday school. She says, oh, she loves Sunday school, so they're having a good time there. Um, they are building relationships and growing up in this community feeling loved and known, and that's really special. So if you want to be friends with our community's littlest members and be loved by me and other parents, go see Michelle Kim or Pastor Lydia for more details. Next, we have cafe volunteers. Coffee brings me so much joy, and I know it brings you guys joy too. So you can share some joy by serving up a cup of coffee before service. No barista skills are required. So if you want to serve or impress people with your latte art, please see Danny O or Wendy Lee for more details. And lastly, we have greeting volunteers. Who doesn't love a friendly face when they walk in? I know everybody does. And if you want to be that friendly face that brings smiles and makes people feel welcomed, this is for you. If you're interested, please see Danny O or Wendy Lee for more details. Now those are all of our announcements we have today.